was writing specifically about technology startups. So I was interviewing Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum. I got really curious into crypto myself. It was called World Crypto Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. and they would make me drink vodka with them. We are in this bubble and we see all these people, creators around. Okay, what's their main competitor? What's up, Facebook? Mm -hmm. So Jan Kuhn, the founder. And then everyone cited it. Wow, it's so cool. And Good I didn't job. even understand what it meant. It was like, what happened? Like Mark Zuckerberg and him are going to Barcelona to the mobile summit. And if I come to New York, why would I write in Russian? Look how journalists make money to pay like taxes because I'm a woman. Next milestone is going to be a book. Mm -hmm. I love freedom. That's really important to me. I can't just mute myself and not post anything. Yeah. This is Dara Mutrova, content creator, entrepreneur, and host of the She Did It Show. The She Did It Show is a video podcast that highlights and celebrates the achievements of female leaders and female entrepreneurs building their creative businesses. Through in-depth conversations with successful female leaders, from a variety of industries, we explore the challenges and triumphs of their journeys and uncover the strategies and techniques used to build thriving businesses and lifestyles that they desire. Hi, this is She Did It Show, and I'm your host, Daria Mudrova. I'm so happy to present you our today's guest, Anastasia Chernikova, the chief editor of Vivid Minds online magazine, New York City-based entrepreneur and journalist who has been working with top tech companies and interviewed top leaders in tech industry. Her articles have been published in such magazines as Forbes, Esquire, Inc.com, Entrepreneur, GQ, and many, many others. Today, she is chief of editor of Vivid Minds and proud owner of Visa for Extraordinary Talents in the U.S. Hi, Anastasia. Hi. I'm so happy Thanks to see you. Thanks for this introduction. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. I'm so happy to see you today. So we actually go a long way back. We've been studying with you at the same university and Russian State University for Humanities and at the same department, Sociology. And how did it all started? Why did you decide to start your career in journalism? How that happened? Um, actually, it was kind of accidental. I didn't really think about becoming a journalist, but on the other hand, my mom still keeps my writings from childhood, like when I was 10 years old. I was watching, uh, remember everyone was watching like Brazilian TV shows at the time in Russia, um, and there was one like The Wild Angel. Um, I don't know how they um, I know, yeah. call it here, but we watched it at that time. And she found a piece when I was doing some uh, like revisions of this series and I was kind of coming up with the new endings of each episode. So I guess I was uh, a writer in my soul, but I never thought about it as a career. So I started um, at the university in sociology, but because I got to work early after school already, I was going to get some like part-time jobs. And when I entered the university, I already was looking for some part-time jobs. And it just happened that um, I found something in marketing and actually studied sociology with the specialty in marketing. So I was looking for something to just become an intern 
and uh, to get something similar that I was studying at that time. And I got into the communications um, agency, like information agency, uh, which was uh, really big. But that was the first job in the marketing department. And while I was there, I actually, the first time I um, saw this world of journalists and it never happened to me before. I just didn't have this community and um, normally journalists like the people who have, well, I mean, not all of them, but many of them who have parents journalists and they have this history and they've got many friends and they see it from their childhood, how cool journalism is. So to me, it was the first time when I was about 20 years old, I got into this information agency in the marketing department. But I saw that like all the marketing was based around work of journalists and they were like the coolest ones. And actually my first article, because that agency was um, um, getting information like delivering news on economics. So my first article was actually uh, investment in arts which mm -hmm. was really funny. I was 20 years old. I didn't understand anything, but I was just calling experts. I was uh, talking with uh, my colleagues, journalists there who were much older and, you know, they've been in this space for like many years. And they said, oh, you need to get this opinion and this opinion. And then you kind of get this story. So mm -hmm. that's what I did. For how long did you work there and what happened next? Um, so about two years there mm -hmm. and at that time I realized that I really want to go in the media space and that's what I'm excited about and sociology it was cool like I always loved the part about writing again because in sociology you have this math right all the statistics and numbers that's what I was always bad at and then another part where you interview people and again, you want to get the opinion. So there is something that is very similar to journalism, right? Yeah, so yeah you, exactly. You get public polls, you just want to learn like, you know, people's attitude to different subjects. So I guess I took that from uh, the university, which was really helpful. But then I was looking for a media job and a friend of mine introduced me to someone. So again, because I already got into the space and I had some like journalists around me, people in the industry. industry. Yeah, I was just going around saying that I don't need much money. I'm still studying, but I just want to go somewhere and start working. Yeah. Experience to get more experience. Yeah. So and uh, after you decided to go and work for another magazine, um, yeah, so I was invited to a project which um, like friends of my friends started and they were looking for editors, but because they didn't have uh, like a lot of money, they wasn't looking for, were not looking for like very professional person. So they hired um, um, like a girl who used to work for another publication and then she invited me to be her kind of assistant editor. Mm -hmm. And there were just two of us at first. So, and you just started to get more and more yeah. experience working in, with social media as well and writing. Yeah, yeah. the funny thing yeah. is that I actually became editor-in-chief already in like two months. <laughs> yeah. Because they hired her. In two months. Yeah, they hired her and she invited me. But then she got another um, offer from a bigger publication. And the guys, the founders, they were not able to find someone else or they just didn't have time to look. So they invited me to become editor-in-chief. And all of a sudden, in like two months, I became. Um, and then I was 
bringing people there, building my own um, like editorial stuff and the newsroom. Wow. And I've got like five other journalists. Uh, yeah, it was really good time. So you've been already chief of editor right almost after yeah. university. Yeah, that's a bit of a reversal. And after a couple of years at that publication, I was thinking that I really need more experience from um, a good editor, you know. So that's how I got after editor-in-chief, I got in another publication with a really good editor, editor-in-chief, and I became kind of, I got a lower position, but I was able to learn from. You decide to move to New York. You had such a nice career there. Um, now thinking about it, I really loved what I was doing in terms of journalism, and that's really who I am. Um, but we'll talk about it later, because then I, after moving to New York, I had to go through very different paths, of how, as like many of us do here, most <laughs> of us true, immigrants. Yeah. But yeah, um, it was all good. Uh, before it started getting really like stifling and tough with the industry. Uh, I mean, the political situation. It was, was a, getting the worse. 2016. So, I mean. yeah, I came here in 2016. Uh, I didn't come as like, I'm moving here. I had my tourist visa for half a year, so I could stay here for the time. And the idea was to stay here for like two or three months and see how it's going. But I. Um, had come to New York earlier, and I really loved the city. So um, after 2014, when the Crimea happened, mm -hmm. and then the economy uh, went down, and then our national currency ruble collapsed, and I was like, on the one hand, it wasn't that bad at that time, as we see it now. I mean, people didn't get jailed that much, but already I felt the... Uh, this pressure and um, in terms of money, like journalists have really small salaries, but then the ruble collapsed and I'm the person Twice who... more. Yeah, and I, I really enjoy traveling and I used to go to Europe a lot and then I felt, okay, I already have a small salary and now how I go to Europe because, you know, I need money. And that was the first thing, like in 2015, I was thinking that I really need to start uh, earning in dollars or euros just to at least get part-time job, do something um, in English. And then second, my friends, I, I was a business journalist in Russia. So after the social media project, I moved into some uh, business magazines and I was always writing about entrepreneurs and founders, uh, like self-made entrepreneurs, no government money. They all started from scratch and that was really exciting. And so after uh, 2014, it got worse and worse. And many of my friends, entrepreneurs, they already started leaving the country. And I saw that. So um, I was thinking that I should come to New York and just see how it goes because I enjoyed, I really loved being there. And I, when I had vacation, I was trying to go to New York because I missed it. And I already got some friends here. So yeah, I just packed my bag and you just came here. Came here. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, and actually, you came here and you started to work in marketing agency, your own marketing yeah. agency, Blueberry Storytelling. And you have organized uh, so many events in uh, Berlin, San Francisco, New York with top blockchain leaders. How that happened? So, you switched from journalism and to marketing. 
Yeah, more. so it's it's really helpful to be a journalist. I never thought about it that way before. I needed money because, like, again, when I lived in Russia and you're a journalist, you don't need that much money there. I never rented an apartment, you know, I was fine. But when I moved to New York, I started thinking, because in New York you always think about money. Like, I mean, especially when you just come, but now six years in, I'm not sure. Like, I was thinking, okay, I'll get enough money and then that's it. But now I'm thinking I need more and a bigger apartment. So it's always this kind of, you're in a rush here. So I started looking into these connections and who I have, like what people used to come to me and ask me to help them with something. And because I was a business journalist and I was writing specifically about technology startups, uh, my last articles before I moved out were mainly focused on blockchain because it started, it was the first time, I guess, when it got really like on the rise, ICOs and people were investing in it. So I was interviewing Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum, uh, when Ether was, um, their, their coin was uh, just 12 bucks back then. So he had the first uh, community of developers in Russia because he is from Russia himself, but uh, he was brought uh, to Canada really earlier. And yeah, but uh, he speaks Russian and I was doing this interview. And so I got interested in the crypto myself because I, um, Again, at that time, nobody really understood what it was, no journalists understood, so I bought some for myself just to have an idea of that. Now, when you write about crypto, you always have the disclaimer, like if you have any or not, but at that time, it would have been just impossible for me to understand if I didn't go through the process. Yes, and to exactly. see like what it was. Uh, and then because it got higher, I mean, the price got higher to like, maybe, I don't remember, $300. It was a lot, right? It went like from twelve dollars and yes. then to three hundred. <laughs> I, I got really curious into crypto myself, and so when I moved here, um, as I said, it was on the rise, and there were so many events. So uh, my friend recommended me to some guys who were organizing an event in San Francisco, a big forum, which was actually very successful. It was called World Crypto Economic Forum, mm -hmm. with uh, one of uh, the um, the creators of the Bitcoin protocol, uh, Nick Sabo, and yeah, some other really cool guys. So they invited me to help with media um, and moderators, uh, and so everything related to media. And I was uh, interested because like first I needed money, I just came to New York, and second, I wanted to see the media scene here to understand how it works. And that gave me the opportunity to invite journalists and talk with them and just uh, meet them. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And after that event, I was invited to do another one because it was so successful. And then there were a couple which yeah, really helped me just gain some first money. Yeah, that's both money and experience and the, the network. Yeah, actually, when people. people ask me, especially immigrants, they ask me for some advice. I'm always saying that Organizing events, not even, I, I mean, going to events is also good, but organizing it's the best because when you host, you get to know everyone who's coming and then right. you get these connections uh, right away. So you just start, you really started to build your connections in New York already, not only in Russia. Yeah, yeah I mean, I needed people just to have people to talk with. And I, my first idea was that I didn't want to get stuck in the Russian community. That's mm -hmm. what I, you know, came it's with. It's a danger. 
Yeah, I was like, I know people, I already met people who only, like, you know, were just getting uh, into all this uh, Russian, I don't know, companies and only speaking with Russians, so that I was trying to avoid. And honestly, the first year, I was deliberately not going to Russian parties. Like, specifically, I was trying to hang with Americans, and that was my goal. Okay, <laughs> I understand that. It, it, it all yeah. uh, went away in, a, like, you know, over time. But at first, I think it was really important, because otherwise you could just get stuck yeah. into it. Yeah, that's, that's true. You mentioned that um, you started to be interested in Bitcoin and crypto back there in 2014. Tell us more about the experience. Did you got like some coins and uh, like they've been successful lately or no? Um, yeah, so there were not much. Um, and also because I have this entrepreneurial urge, I spent most of it on uh, doing conference. I, I did my own conference and I paid for the like space and um, everything with crypto. I was organizing my event in Berlin and Germany. And after I did some here, like helped guys to organize them in San Francisco and New York. And I was like, I can do it all just by myself. Yeah. And I came to Berlin, to Germany, where I didn't have anyone. I didn't know anyone and just rented a space, put like, $15,000 into it and then on top I needed to pay for the food and everything and that was actually my crypto money. Wow, so you organized already events back there with paying with crypto? Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a bit later. Cool. I don't remember this exact year but maybe 2018, something mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Yeah. But I was actually the first person who gave them crypto because they did the whole system for me, the, that organization. They were like thinking about how to uh, accept crypto and yeah, they had the whole process. You started your own media in the US, the Vivid Minds, the magazine, which is focused on stories about entrepreneurs' mental health journeys, their struggles, their challenges, how they overcome that. Why? Did you decided to go back to journalism again? How was yeah, you inspired I wish, to do that? I wish that? I could be that person who could just make money and uh, run their business, marketing business. And people were saying I should do like content marketing projects, you know, and just uh, advise startups on how to do marketing. But because I was, I was really like missing journalism and I wanted to do that. And because after like, I had a few ideas. I could go to Columbia University or New York University, a master's degree. Uh, on I'm journalism. Actually, yeah, yeah, master's mm -hmm. degree in journalism. I'm still thinking about it, but I was talking with a few people who were also coming from Russia and they got this degree, journalism degree at those universities. Mm -hmm. uh, and everyone I talked, and there were maybe five different journalism journalists, um, they were not very happy about it because they, uh, like as myself, they already were kind of established journalists in their own country in Russia. And then they put a lot of money into some of them got loans for the university. And then they were still offered like assistant or assistant job. Like, you know, it's really hard to get into big publications and you don't want to get to smaller ones because otherwise, like, why would you get this uh, degree and why did you work for all these like 
prominent, the biggest publications in your country. So you already feel that you deserve more, but then you can't really get into like the New York Times and become the feature editor, which you want maybe, which I, I would want, right? Yeah. Like feature editor, I mean, the uh, one who writes about, um, not editor, maybe correspondent, but someone who writes really deep pieces, interviews different people for one piece, um, can spend time like a month on doing something like investigative reporting, which is really cool for me. But I didn't want to do news and to do all this uh, just assistant work, you know. So I was thinking, what can I do to really write and interview people, to write about what I want and interview people that I want to. You're interested in. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I can do this blog. Because the first idea was to just do a blog and start doing these interviews myself. And then I was like, mm, blog doesn't sound good. I would, doesn't look even good. So I would reach out to people. They don't know me. They would look at the page and they would be like, okay, it's just someone's blog. And there are no views, obviously, because it's just starting. So I was like, at least I will get the really cool design. So people will see that we have this potential for a cool media. And I started Vivid Minds as um, my project, my passion, where I, I wanted to interview like the first friends of friends, people who could recommend me to just someone who inspires them. And so that would be like leaders, how I call them, people who inspire me. Um, and then I would just grow and find, you know, different, not friends of friends, but just reach out to everyone at once. And they would be happy because like everyone wants to speak with journalists and tell their stories so yeah. that was my idea but then there were a lot of uh, challenges of course yeah so and you actually having your own media you became entrepreneur as well did you face any challenges on this way having your own media and developing this yeah blog, making something bigger than yeah just yeah i mean there are so many challenges first I wanted to write stories, but now I, and even like after months, it got really, uh, like I understood that um, as an entrepreneur, as you said, and the founder of your media, you don't really write stories. You have to promote them. You have to find people to write them. Otherwise, you, you just um, spend all your time on writing stories. Then nobody reads them. And... It, it, you can't do it often because you also need to make money somewhere to support this media. That's so uh, the first thing I realized that actually getting my media, it, it's more entrepreneurial than being journalist. I mean, it's, it's journalism because I still, use, um, you know, I can do these interviews. I'm editing pieces, but I don't really uh, do most of them myself. I hire journalists mm -hmm. and I have executive editor now. And okay, you will work together, but like I'm editor in chief, so the final decision is on me, and I pick who we, who I want to write about and who not. They pitch stories to me, and then, yeah. Sometimes people are willing to share stories about the success, yeah, the, the successful results, and uh, how those entrepreneurs you've been interviewing in this magazine have been willing to tell to tell their struggles and challenges. So I was always thinking that it was my really good skill because, again, I was a journalist for eight years in Russia. So I was um, aware of my kind of strong sides and um, not so strong. Uh, and I 
always had this um, really deep conversations with entrepreneurs. Like I was going to regions in Russia. I was spending three days and talking for like sometimes it would be 10 hours with one person and they would tell me everything. And it was always so amazing. Like um, one day I would go to uh, like suburbs of Siberia and they would make me drink vodka with them. And, this is and, awesome. and I'm like, I really have to drink this vodka because otherwise they wouldn't feel that I'm They will not them, tell me you know? that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I just always wanted to feed and I felt like I can do that. You know, like people would feel that they can be comfortable with me and they can tell Trust me their you. stories. Yeah. And then some people would say that after talking with me, they feel like they talk to say, a therapist, therapist which yeah. was kind of a compliment to me. So... Um, yeah, and besides, I was always feeling that all those, like, human, very vulnerable moments, they was the most interesting and inspiring to me. You know, not the digits, not how much money they made. Like, the digits, uh, I mean, revenue, all of that, it's important just to pick the person you want to speak with, because if they really achieved something, they can share these uh, numbers, and you see them, and you understand that there is something. Um, other than just going and, you know, picking someone who, uh, I don't know, would, would be just studying and they are trying to promote the company and just do PR around it. So you can always look at the numbers and see what's really worth, like this company worth. But um, what was always interested, interesting to me is um, how they were going through self-development challenges, uh, their mental like health again, how mm -hmm. they uh, were working on it because it's always for entrepreneurs it's they're always under pressure. Yeah, so that's I true. felt like that topic was really important. Yeah, the creative economy is growing, and right now there are big numbers of entrepreneurs and freelancers yeah. and content creators who struggle with yeah. so many different. We, we actually, health. we were just talking with my editor yesterday about uh, whether. We think about creators as entrepreneurs or not? What do you think? The same. I would say yes. Content creators are entrepreneurs because like having a blog, it's like having yeah. media and you also need, if it's part-time, whatever, full-time, you need to get, Yeah. you need to monetize it. Sometimes you have different streams. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But she said that they're not. And mm -hmm. based on what she researched, kind of the bottom line is that they're not because I don't know to me just anyone who started the company legally you know just your legal entity that means yeah. that you're entrepreneur yeah that's very easy for me mm. but she was saying like creators there are thousands of them and then they do like I don't know something which is not entrepreneurial just posting stuff but then when they do like something else that means they're entrepreneurs if you have your business entity, it's already yeah. gives you obligations to work with maybe financial, yeah. right? With lawyers, you actually go for the same financial procedures as obligations. obligations yeah. And to there, there is actually a term solopreneur, you know, solopreneur, when, when you're yeah. just one yeah. in your company. I'm wondering when, like, you know, because all around it's probably because we are in this bubble and we see all these people, creators around, but then you start thinking about where we're going to get, like, clothes from and the food from and all these facilities and people who really do all the hard work. Mm -hmm. Like, and if they want to become, like, creators, everyone. 
Yeah, I mean, be being, <laughs> being creator is also having the team sometime, right? Who is working for you. So you are owning your own yeah. business and you need to manage stuff. And speaking about uh, people you've been interviewing, like Vitalik Buterin or Yankum, how did you reach them? So it really depends case by case. With Vitalik, he was coming to Russia with his uh, uncle. And I don't really remember, but it wasn't hard. I mean, someone, because again, it was all iterating when you like, I wish I had all these uh, people around me here who would tell me, oh, this person, you know, you can interview him. Like, because I knew all the newsmakers, all the like founders of tech companies in Russia, yeah. basically all of them. So there were all these uh, insights spreading around and someone would tell me, oh, you know, Vitalik is coming to Russia. Like, do you want to meet him? And then I probably asked some friend to introduce me. Yeah, but I don't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. And Yang Kum? When I was the editor-in-chief of that social media website, um, Telegram founder Pavel Durov, he just started Telegram. Um, and I wanted to get a comment on it, like on Telegram. And I was thinking, who could give me a comment? And that was, and again, I didn't have any experience. Like I haven't worked with any editors, really good editors yet. So I was just like, okay, what's the main competitor, what's up? So I'm gonna just write to the founder of WhatsApp and ask for the comment. And so I just sent an email or maybe messaged on Facebook. Oh, no, I think I messaged on Facebook mm -hmm. to Jan Kum, the founder. And at that time I also realized he was from Ukraine. I didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah, he yeah, is from Ukraine. It. Yeah. And I just uh, sent him a message and I remember I was checking this because like it was also hard to check your English back then. Now I have all these proofreaders around and I was like, wow, I need to write it very. And I was like, oh, if he responds, how should I text him back in English? I will have. And I remember I was doing that, like sending him a message and then realized that it's not that great and was correcting it right after that, like sending another one. You know what? Did you do that? I think many people do this. Yes. And it looks so weird because now I understand that nobody cares. I mean, yeah. if they understand you, that's what is important. It's the most important thing. And I was yeah. like, oh, you know, I just corrected myself. I know how it should be, like the consequences. Like, and so he responded. He gave me a comment on Telegram saying that, like, something um, like Durov can't create. Don't quote me on that one. I don't remember exactly, but something like, uh, Durov uh, is not able to do something on his own. He's always always copycatting because he did the social network before, okay. which he supposed, supposedly yeah, copycated from uh, Facebook. And he said that, and I posted it on my small social media, and then everyone cited it. Like all the largest publications oh in Russia decided it. And my founder of this media was calling me saying, wow, it's so good. And good I didn't job. even understand what it meant. I didn't okay. really. Uh, like over time, I, I was, wow, that was a really good thing when they cited me. But at that time, it was like, what happened? I just did this yeah. comment because I needed it for the story. Um, yeah, and then Facebook bought it uh, two years later, maybe after I got this comment. Uh, so Facebook announced buying WhatsApp for like $16 billion, mm -hmm. um, huge amount of money. 
And I was like, oh, my friend, Jan Kuhn, who gave me this comment, I will reach out to him again, asking about He's that. He's a billionaire now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't think about that. But okay. um, yeah, so I texted him, I mean, messaged on Facebook, and he said that um, Mark Zuckerberg and him are going to Barcelona to the mobile summit, and they're going to present it. And if I wanted to come wow. there, uh, he would give me the interview. Awesome. And, and then he also invited me to his birthday party, but then uh, PR guys said that it's not a good idea, so I didn't get to go there with Mark and uh, everyone. Because you're a journalist? Or yeah. It's a private because, party? Yeah, I guess because Jan Kuhn, he was so, like, I'm still, uh, I don't know, I would hope to meet him in person. So, oh, actually, I met him when I was interviewing him, but um, sometime again, uh, because he, he seemed so humble and he didn't know about all this PR before Facebook bought it. That's my guess. Mm. And he was working as a founder developer. He was really focused on his project. And then when Facebook bought it, they got all these obligations and all this like PR stuff. Policies. Yes, policies, what's right, what's wrong. So okay. I came to Barcelona and he said that uh, they won't allow journalists to go to this private event. Mm -hmm. Because it was not like, you know, journalists. They didn't want like, birthday for journalists. Yeah. They wanted to control the publications. Yeah, and yeah of course. That's what companies normally do, especially big companies, yeah. right? So they want to invite journalists. For like, everyone wanted to get there. So, right. mm -hmm. but he was really nice. To get exclusive content. Yeah. I, I still got exclusive because I was talking with him in Russian. Yeah. And all the PR people were around standing and they didn't understand it. And then, I was so, I don't know why I did that. Normally I don't. And my editor, uh, my great teacher, uh, he wouldn't approve that. But I was like, do you want me to send you the uh, interview to check? And he was like, why? And you know, some people, they would insist on sending it. And he was like, it's my words. Why would, what would you send me? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. So I respected him That's for amazing. everything. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You did an amazing job and uh, switching from Russian to English. How was this transition for you? Uh, Your style is very eloquent and very nice. You have very nice English uh, writing style. Yeah, that's funny how Americans uh, compliment me sometimes. They're like, you're from Russia? Wow, your English is not that bad. I mean, <laughs> it's not what they're yeah. saying. They're saying like, did you do English major here in the US? Because your English doesn't sound like you're from Russia. That's mm -hmm. what they say. Yeah. This is a good compliment. I mean, I still think sometimes how much I could have achieved if I was just sticking to Russian. Even, you know, here people would do the content creators. They would run their Instagrams in Russian. Russian just right, send yeah. post pictures and just yesterday I met with a girl who is a psychologist and she's got uh, one million followers on Instagram and she she runs her project. She lives in LA and feels totally fine. And I was like, wow, you know, I never, I never even considered that. I was thinking if I come to New York, why would I write in Russian? Like, otherwise I would have stayed in Russia. Now it's a different story because I wouldn't have stayed in Russia like anyway because you know, after, other stuff. after the war. Yeah. But before I was so just wanted to be in this global community and uh, connecting with international people. And I was always thinking that I would write in English so people from all the countries can read it. 
Yeah, the the audience who understand English is much yeah. much bigger. Than yeah, Russian. and then just feel that you it's harder. Uh, I mean, I'm still going there. I'm not that famous as I like. I mean, I'm not famous here, but uh, you still have lots not, of not on that level uh, how I was in Russia. Mm. So I'm still getting there, but I get the satisfaction because I know how hard it is and I kind of proud of myself that I'm going through it and I still stick to English. I hire editors, professional proofreaders. So um yeah, doing all that. Yeah, that's and having such a great experience working in Russia and Eastern Europe and in US, what are the differences you could mention about journalism here and there? I think it's so different, you can't even name that, but it's more about the mindset, not that much about journalism. Mm -hmm. uh, just today, I mean, I, I see it every day, speaking with friends, like Russian friends, and even those who live in Europe, not in the US, for example. I was on a business trip two weeks ago, and I was going with some company, helping them with marketing and with the event, and I was talking with uh, bloggers, and because this company, they do a product for travel bloggers. And uh, um, my colleague from Russia, he was, uh, he lives in Turkey now, like all of my friends, I guess, moved out from Russia, most of them. But he was saying, wow, you're really overselling our company. You're talking that. And I'm the person, like, if I'm here in America, even talking with you, you would say that I'm one of the least persons you would think that I can oversell something because, you know, I'm, pretty introverted I'm not that like smiley and that excited I don't say like great everything is amazing and so on but he still was like you are really overselling our company I was like how can I oversell is, it, is this the fact this the fact and he says yes they're all facts but how you saying it it sounds like cooler than we are <laughs> and I was, seriously you should yeah. get and and I, I, I recall that because just today he sent me a post of some creator from uh, the US and he was asking me, is it normal for a creator to post this kind of content? And I, I was looking through it and I was like, it's just a regular stuff. She was sharing something, how she flew with, I don't remember which airlines and what she liked about it and not. And I said, it's just a regular yeah. content. And he said, it's so, even for a paid post, and I think it's, it was not even a paid post, but he said, even for a paid post, it's so promotional, I just can't get through it just oh, to read it okay. and I was like you know that's how it works here in America and yeah. so I can give you an example with journalism um, one of my worst stories which I didn't like in Russia uh, it was about a travel company and my the reason I didn't like it because I wrote it one way and then I have editor-in-chief who I respect but in that case we were we had disagreement mm -hmm. and he decided to edit it and his point was that I was writing too, like, mm, uh, like appreciating the company and in this really positive tones about it, while he saw that these guys raised a lot of money and they didn't put their own money into the company. So that was his problem. He was saying, wow, they raised a lot of money from others, but they didn't put theirs. Oh, it's a bad thing? So, yeah, exactly. Okay. So he was like, that's a really bad thing. And he just transformed the whole article that it looked kind of, it's not, it, it was still facts because we're saying like journalism, it should be neutral, but still, you know, when you read any piece, you can get the tone. Is it 
yeah. Mm -hmm. And then here I was connecting with some entrepreneur and he was saying, you entrepreneur, you don't put your money into that. You raise money from someone. Yeah. So he, so it's exactly on the opposite way, which is good for entrepreneur. He was like, you don't invest, you just find people who would invest. Mm -hmm. While my editor in Russia was like, let's just, uh, you know, why they didn't put their own money? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, the business mindset in US is much like it's much more developed. And actually, what I could highlight as well, maybe how it's common to position yourself. You need to show up. You oh, need yeah. to tell about yourself. Yeah, that's also to present, so different to sell. in Russia. Yeah. I mean, for some reason, I don't know. Like all these uh, information products now coming from Russia, even though those people, they position themselves. But I normally it's just some projects from people that I don't like. Do you know what I mean? Like here you would see branding of some really like inspiring people, inspiring to me. And in Russia, I would see many people who are not inspiring to me at all, but they're branding themselves. So okay. somehow it's, I guess, it's because more intelligent, like people who I admire and like in Russia, they think that it's bad to promote themselves, mm -hmm. so they don't do that. And then those people who I'm just watching, like, oh my God, you're really doing this course? Like he didn't even get any like education. Yeah, and yeah. he's like 20, 18 years old and doing a course on like How experience of, of life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which are the key journalist standards you would highlight? which are more important for you? Um, yeah, so that's a really big topic. Um, I feel now that it's really important to just go with... Uh, so when I hire someone and I'm talking with people, it's just my gut feeling that I can see this is a good person. And then I know that they would have some ethical standards. Uh, because what media are doing now like in uh, in the us there's so many contributors in forbes and in Inc., different publications and they could implement the links and promote brands if they want i mean there's no way you can do it like 100 percent to just avoid that so what matters really is not the rules that you well, I, I understand the rules are important because if there are so many contributors, you can't really talk with everyone and see if they're good or not, right? Uh, and then you can be mistaken. But still, I believe that there's this ethical feeling so you can distinguish your writing from like promotion and, uh, you know, when you want to do marketing for brand. For example, I can do marketing, but I would never uh, do like a post on Vivid Minds with this brand as like promotion to get money because I really separate my journalism work even though I don't make money and I will suffer but I can't do that just because this my ethics and then marketing I can do on the other hand but some companies they probably wouldn't even hire a person I mean some media companies if they worked for marketing and PR because they would think that they can do it in their publication they mm -hmm. can promote yeah so i don't know i guess now it's a really interesting topic how journalists make money because so many switch into pr and they are paid uh, less than pr managers which is you know really weird because mm -hmm. like journalists have all this power and they're way less than 
I mean, there are less journalists and PR managers, but still when you work on the commercial side, you get much more money. So what can journalists do when they sometimes get paid like $100 for a piece that they've been writing for like a week, or they don't get paid at all sometimes yeah. in some cases. So, yeah. Considering yourself more as a journalist or entrepreneur. I'm you know? still thinking about myself as a writer. Right. And I go into this like back and forth about the art. Every time I meet with artists, I'm like, maybe I'm even an artist and I should go to the art school, you know. But I, I, I think my art um, and what I really want to do and my next milestone is going to be a book. So it's like more writer stuff. What it will be about? Uh, it's actually non-related to any tech stuff, anything. I started doing it when I came to New York, just about my life in New York, a draft. And then I was meeting people and doing stories uh, about my friends, but it's kind of in between nonfiction, uh, fiction, without their names, but based mm -hmm. on real events. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a short stories about uh, people in New York. I haven't decided if it's just Russians. Probably they're going to be Russians in New York. Especially now, because, you know, after the war, there are new feelings um, coming out. And I just, yeah, rethinking yeah. all of that. The mindset is changing, yeah. especially if you're immigrant here. And if yeah. you moved, I mean, we moved before uh, current events, right? And uh, people who are moving right now, they running from regime. And it's such a different yeah, story. Yeah, it's very different. So it's always like, you know, you have to write a book when you think about a book and I was thinking about it six years ago I started writing it and it was almost finished but then three years passed and I was like now I'm a different person in New York so mm. I should start it again and write in a different voice which is now I understand not like how it works at all because you always like you have to publish a book and then you start another one in another voice and that's how the author develops but now because I still have this draft and I'm another person and rethinking everything after the war. So I have to change everything because I haven't published it yet, you know. And oh. now I can't just <laughs> publish it that way. Yeah, because it's a different yeah. context right now. And um, giving an advice, like how to tailor your writing style for American media to be presented here. Oh. And to promote your content and to have this balance yeah earning um, money and doing journalism yeah i definitely don't know how to earn money at least with, <laughs> with vivid minds i was trying okay. to do an event mm -hmm. but um like to invite sponsors for this event but i don't know maybe um, i need to find someone else who would help me with sponsorships and all of that uh, but it's really hard when you have this emerging outlet, not that many visitors, and you want someone to give you money, and it's mental health. Like, I don't know, probably with the, uh, like in the future, I could do ads and uh, some logos putting in my newsletter with the mental health brands, like apps or something. So mm. they could be interested. But it's hard. I mean, even uh, from people who run other magazines, um, what I hear, they're all like struggling. Um, I heard recently from uh, one person who turned the, his media into non-profit, which I also consider with Vivid Minds because he've been trying to make money for like five years 
and then he turned it into non-profit and then it's easier because you can get donations and oh, the companies okay. yeah and subscription-based models donations yeah subscription is hard because people normally pay for some practical advice so the problem with media how i see it once i start charging and start putting ads and everything i would need to change content because then you have to always think about your like what someone waits from you and what i wanted to do with vivid mind how i started it that i really don't care like i do these long stories uh which i like myself and they're all not like well we seo them sometimes like so uh, optimize them sometimes for seo but uh, I remember the first SEO report I got and there was the person uh, like marketer who suggested me 20 titles for my website and they were all exactly what I was always trying to avoid like you know 10 trips 10 tips 10 yeah. something like all of that mm -hmm. yeah so I don't know it's hard to make money on media I also want to write for bigger publications so I'm I want to kind of you know write more as contributors so probably get paid there mm -hmm. which is not a lot of money but then you can get some speaking engagements and just doing money on uh, normally journalists make money just uh, with some side gigs like speaking and consulting i guess consulting, consulting yeah. yeah yeah and yeah like some maybe uh, the idea to work with some brand but to keep the balance between what you want to yeah. post and to be kind of independent and just to put like ad time yeah that's something. why it's easier to be a creator when like creators normally they don't have all this background in journalism and they sometimes would look at it and they can do like i'm not judging now at least i'm trying not to judge but like i saw a post of um, a girl with uh, a lot of followers like millions and she had uh, a few mistakes in like five sentences. And I was like, wow, I, I would never do that. I just can't, you know, I would delete it right away. There were typos, not even mistakes, but you definitely see these typos and you do it for like a really wide audience and you don't even think about it. And because I have a uh, background in journalism, mm -hmm. I guess, and I only have like 1,000 something subscribers on Instagram, but I still would think all like if I see a mistake or typo, I would always just delete it. Work yeah, with now, editor. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a bit easier at it, which I'm not sure is a good thing. But sometimes I would be, ah, you know, it's just like stuff on Instagram. So you've been working in LCA in Russia and here. And did you mention some women leadership differences in workplace or how do, to be a woman working in journalism in US and in Eastern Europe it is different thing and uh, what are those differences you would highlight um, that's a good question I personally didn't have any kind of uh, problems of being a woman in Russia I know that some people say like i mean when me too started the movement and people were saying oh you know if you really dig deeper into your past you would find something and i really dig deeper and i found two stories when i could say but i never even thought about them you know so i don't think they really hard hard me they were the stories of like when i was working uh, when i was looking for a job 
as a woman and there was one guy who um, I was my first job just when I got like the first um, semester at the university and I wanted to find some part-time jo job and I just uh, found something as like office manager part-time and so I came to that guy but he's just kind of I felt that he was weird but then he started calling me like at night and then the next night and then he started sending me send, uh, messages like how much you want I'm gonna pay you like whatever you want just come here <laughs> something like that and you oh could gosh. think about it as harassment, it's harassment. Just message mm -hmm. but I never it never occurred to me you know I, never thought about it. Like, I don't think, think it's that. really I got traumatized because of that yeah um, and then there was another similar story but I never had I mean when I did all these interviews and I interviewed most of entrepreneurs were men I never personally felt like anything like that um, the other like seeing comparison maybe that again most of people interviewed were men so that I can say that in Russia definitely still more like at least in the tech environment tech industry they're all men um, and here in the US because there's so many programs now and women are getting encouraged and uh, yeah just more and more women coming which is in, in tech which is cool this yeah, is great yeah. yeah and there's special programs and they get special privileges actually not that many privileges I was trying to check if I can get tax uh, less to pay tax like, taxes because I'm a woman didn't find anything but <laughs> yeah. okay there are some yeah there is still a lot, a lot to work how do you feel is it like very different mm, I feel the society is is different generally it's more I'm feeling more protected here versus mm. in Russia generally the atmosphere here in the mm -hmm. US is more secure for me as a woman um, and I feel that if anything happens, I have institutions where I could go and say something yeah. and they will listen to me. And this is just like in Russia, I don't have the support from institutions Yeah, as I, a woman. That's maybe. Yeah, I didn't think about it in this I mean, uh, female perspective just because I feel safer here generally about mm -hmm. my life. Not yeah. only being like a woman, you know, but just as a person yes. because now especially now when people get jailed and I'm pretty sure if I was in Russia I would have been in jail now. me too yeah because, <laughs> yes. I'm, yeah, because yes. I'm so like mm -hmm. I love freedom that's really important to me I can't just mute myself and not post anything yeah. not saying the same problem here yeah. <laughs> not a problem I mean but yeah so it's definitely safer here yeah that feels safer what are some tips you will give to young girls who would love to build their media presence in the US and to be journalists here? Yeah, so some time ago it wasn't even matter if you had Instagram or Twitter account, but now if you're journalist, uh, even contributors, uh, big publications, they would ask like and see how many followers you have on Twitter, so it's also important. Uh, but still, I mean, I believe that the content that you write and the pieces, the interviews, they should be more important than your followers. Mm -hmm. So I would separate these two parts. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for oh, media yeah. presence, it's uh, easier. You just have to be on Twitter, on Instagram, all the channels, especially Twitter and LinkedIn for business 
journalist at least. I mean, probably lifestyle journalism, it's more relevant. Instagram is more relevant, maybe TikTok. Uh, but I'm uh, active on LinkedIn, always posting my stories there, which has been really great. And I connected with some good people there. Um, and Twitter, I would say I'm bad at it, but it's really important. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of stories how people got connected with editors and just got their stories published through Twitter. So that's cool. Uh, and for journalism, and I mean general in life, I really believe that if we follow our true selves, like thinking about what we want, even in terms of topics, what we want to write about, who we want to work with, and if we do what we really love, so many people that just can't find what they love, you know, and then especially like the first, the important thing is to find and then just follow that, which is also hard, but it's already the next step. So first you just need to figure what you really are passionate about and what you enjoy doing and then find different ways. And if one doesn't work, you find another way. And then you connect with uh, people who could help you. Just, I think being in the right environment is really important. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I was trying to do uh, in Russia. Like it was really hard for me to get into this journalism community, but yeah, once you figure it out and you really want it, then all these uh, tips and like insights, great conversation are coming because you are in this uh, right place where you feel that people understand you and uh, you help each other. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you so much for this advice. Thank you. I think it's a long talk. It's a long talk. And my last question what book you would on media which are you reading or and you would recommend um so it's uh simple here um i read the new yorker even though it's getting harder and harder to go through this very long pieces um and it's just it's just crazy how year by year i can see that my attention span is getting lower you mm. know like two years ago i would be able to read like 20 pages uh once and now I have to do like just three times to sit down and get through them but still I love the New Yorker uh, in tech tech magazines the information is my favorite uh, online magazine and then I also read Vanity Fair because I like the style and the um, kind of intelligence you know yeah thank you so much Anastasia thank you, thank you so much for Thanks. being with us today Uh, we are waiting your book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. So I'm sure everything will be amazing with your career and you'll achieve your goals. Yeah, and uh, thank you so much for watching. If you have any questions, you can always uh, reach us on Instagram. And have a nice day. See you next time. <laughs>